Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. As you know, we're coming up on celebration. Let's talk about that. But our celebration today is live from America's National World War II Museum. Now, here's what I want to say about this. This is first of its kind. You know, this is something that is so profoundly important for all of us to understand. You're going to hear about what it is, and you're going to hear about why this is so important. This is a special feature. And I have to tell you, in all the shows that I've done, in support of our vets, in support of my family, in support of my relatives, you I had my uncle on here. Um, this is an idea whose time has come. And today, you know, we are talking with someone that's so representative of the importance of this in the world we live in now, Stephen Watson, nationally recognized nonprofit leader, president and CEO, National World War II Museum. And by far, this is so important for all of us to remember, because I think those of us don't really understand the importance of that war, what was at stake in that war, how many people served in that war, and how to celebrate that. Stephen, it's great to have you. Welcome. Dr. Pat, it's great to be on your show and beautifully said, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, if I had my uncle here, I know he's listening from above, but he would come on and speak in half Italian and half in English. And he would tell you about we don't celebrate enough. I want to ask you, can we talk about expressions of America? I just want to take that for, phrase for a moment. Sure. What does that mean to you? What is in your heart about that expression? Well, I think, um, you know, our, our experience, uh, expressions of America, and, and, you know, we can talk in a minute about the technology and the scale and, and the innovative nature of it. Yeah. But at the core, uh, it's about telling the stories of ordinary Americans who did extraordinary things uh, through their letters, through their diaries, through their journals. It, it's bringing that personal experience. And I think what's special about it for us is... You know, there's been a lot of work done with oral history over the decades to to preserve these stories of veterans. And we've been at the forefront of that and we use them extensively in our exhibits. But expressions is really based on the letters and diaries and journals that were written during the war. So there's a vulnerability to that. There's a tension. You know, these these writers were, you know, enlisting. They were talking about their combat experiences, how they missed a loved one. Um, and and throughout all of that, it's a real window into real people, the struggles, the tensions, the challenges that they had. And I think it's inspiring. So I think for us, uh, this is an expression of America during World War II and what it was like to have lived during that time period. And, you know, I think you nailed it. You know, there's one thing for most of us to hear 
about what has happened from a his, history perspective. But I got to tell you, when I took to, when I took to my, both my aunts, my uncles, they served. I actually tried to get in the Air Force, couldn't get in. Uh, I was too young. I was 17 and my parents yeah. wouldn't sign. They said, we're not going to put you any place near any of that. Uh, they weren't worried about me. They were worried about the Air Force what I would do in the Air Force, but as a young 17-year-old. But the stories were so graphically, you know, storytelling right now is at the key. Um, I interviewed several of the parliamentary members of the Ukraine, and the storytelling is what I believe you are hitting the heart of here. The storytelling is what people remember. Is that right? That's right. I mean, you know, we always say when you come to the museum, you let, learn with your head and with your heart. You know, we've got to tell this big, complex story and all that comes with it. Um, but what really connects with people is when they see that through the lens of real people, real experiences, these oral histories, these letters, these diaries. Um, that's what people take away. They remember those individual experiences and and. Uh, those are the moments that really, I think, open up minds, open up hearts and, and make an impression that lasts with people. And I think, you know, uh, our, our museum is young, um, but we started with these stories. Our founder, Stephen Ambrose, um, you know, collected about 600 oral histories for his research and writing. And I think we've always put them at the forefront. And I think it's why people have been drawn to our museum and our mission. And I think yeah. it's why Expressions of America is, is going to be, you know, resonating, you know, very much so with the public. You know, I love that we're talking about this. I want to talk about really on the onset what this is about, who's hosting it, and how this is unfolding, because it is an innovative uh, form of media. It, and I, I want to congratulate you for bringing this to life in such an innovative way, number one. Um, and the stories are so important. And, you know, for those of us that know people, for example, I have a friend, a very dear friend over in, uh, Hon in over in Oahu, and their family owned and lived in Hilltop, which is a yeah. special national monument. And her mom would tell us stories of when they literally saw the Japanese come in from Hilltop way up there. You can watch the movies, but when you see this woman and the tears coming down her face and mm -hmm. talking about this, boy, I'll tell you, doesn't that crack us wide open? Isn't this also to touch our hearts here, what you all created? A absolutely. Um, it, it's absolutely to touch our hearts. It's absolutely to, you know, try and help people, you know, imagine what it would have been like to have been there, perhaps even think about what they would have done. So, yeah, this is extremely innovative. You know, we have these beautiful, you know, facades to project on up to 90 foot tall, you know, beautiful musical score that we've put together, stunning imagery, but it's a story and it's storytelling. It and that's what we, that's what we want people to take away when they see expressions of America. Now, I want to just make sure people know, I mean, there are those of us that are thinking, wow, this is great. How do I see it? You know, those of us in media, we're like, how do we get there? How do we become part of this? Let's make sure that we tell people, you know, what the visitor experience like, where they can go to find out more and all of the above, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, first of all, you can go to our website, nationalww2museum.org, and you can find out everything you'd ever want to know about the museum, and including uh, expressions uh, of America. But in terms of this specific experience, this will be a full nighttime experience. You will come to our campus. 
Um, we will actually have a little live pre-show with actors to set the stage to kind of give you an understanding of what life was like in the 1940s. And then you walk outside to this beautiful parade ground in the center of our campus and be surrounded by this music and these projections and meet these people and hear about their experiences. So we, we think this will become a reason that people come to New Orleans just for this show. And, and we hope that is an entry point into other exhibits and, and learning more about World War II. You know, and I think it has to be an entry point. You know what I'm struck by? And maybe you can comment on this. What I'm struck by is how quickly we forget. We're doing a show, Mark Anthony and I are doing a show. We do a weekly show on, on Thursdays and it's called Forget Me Not. And it really ties into what you're saying. But the other thing that I see you doing is you are really tapping to innovation in a way that people of all ages could come away with a new understanding. You know, let's talk about this because we still have hundreds of thousands of living World War II vets, right? You know, I mean, this is really something to remind us of, first of all, how powerful as people we are, right? As the people yes. in World War II are, but also to remind us of what we're living for. That's right. And I think that, um, yes, this is uh, innovative and it's very different. Uh, and I think it is incredibly important that we don't forget, you know, we are down to right now, I think about 160,000 World War II veterans are still alive. Now, that might sound like a lot, but there were 16.1 million men and women that put on a uniform. So that's about 1%. Yeah. So we're the storyteller now. You know, we have to continue telling this story. And I think to be relevant, um, and to appeal to a broad public, we have to use all of these tools at our disposal to surprise people, engage people. And I think, as you said earlier, Dr. Pat, touch their hearts uh, in a way that really opens them to, you know, learning more about this important period in our country's history. You know, I wish, you know, as, as I sit here talking to you, I mean, I'm feeling a little bit of regret. I wish, you know, I would have recorded some of these conversations. And the reason I say that is, you know, my best friends, mom and dad, you walk into their house and they have this saber on their yep. uh, on their mantle. And you look at it, you could tell it's from a war. And when, you know, when Bjorn talked about the fact that he was born in Norway, fought, fought in the war and talked about that saber and where he got that saber, it gives you another dimension. Isn't that what this will do? It really gives people a multidimensional aspect. Oh, it does. Right? Yeah, it does. And I think that, you know, that's when you come to our campus, you you will see those personal items. You'll see the artifacts, the uniforms, the letters, the typewriters, um, hear the stories. Uh, we try and immerse you in these environments that try and recreate what it would have been like to have been in Bastogne during the Battle of the Bulge or in North Africa in those early landings or island hopping in the Pacific in Guadalcanal. Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. how you put all of these things together that really immerses the visitor and surprises them and, and and draws them into the story. Yeah. And now also, let's just mention this because, you know, this is hosted and, you, you know, by veterans have Gary Sinise. I mean, who yeah. doesn't remember Gary Sinise right in Forrest Gump, right? Absolutely. I mean, powerful role. So, I mean, this is really amazing to bring someone like him to the forefront to really He's been a lifelong advocate, but to really be featured and featured the honor of these people, how does that feel to you? It feels great. Gary is, you know, one of the greatest patriots you could ever meet. He's been a great friend of our museum. 
for a long time. And, and, and like you, Dr. Pat had relatives that, that served, you know, two uncles. He's helped us capture these stories. He's helped bring veterans to our campus. And, and when we talked to him about this, this idea and this vision five years ago, he didn't hesitate. He said, I want to be a part of this. Uh, I want to help you bring this to the public. So uh, he's just a great man. And, and we're proud to have him as a partner and proud to have him as the host of Expressions of America. Yeah. And, you know, look, this is presented by Bob and Dolores Hope Foundation, Expressions of America. Yeah. We have to, I mean, can you say enough about the philanthropy that goes into something like this? No, the, 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 this wouldn't exist without their support. Um, we, we met with their team, you know, Linda Hope, who's the head of the foundation, Bob's daughter. You know, they wanted to find an innovative way to introduce Bob to, you know, younger generations of Americans. And, and they signed on to this and, and he was such, uh, you know, a figure uh, in entertainment in the 20th century. I think uh, I uh, was talking to Linda last week, uh, entertained 11 million troops over 50 years uh, during World War II, often putting himself mm -hmm. in harm's way. So their support um, has been critical in making this happen. Well, next time we talk, maybe you'll come in the background. This is our television Lydios, uh, television uh, living room sit down heart-to-heart -heart conversation studio. So maybe next time we'll get you to come over here. I'm coming. I'd okay. love to come and see you. And we got to get you to New Orleans and see oh the museum too. Oh my goodness, I, I'm already on the plane. I right. love New Orleans. I'm already on the plane. I want to ask you one last question. I got to, got to run. What is your personal message? I, I'd love to know what you'd like to leave, leave us with. And please give the website out again. Well, I think um, my personal message is, you know, uh, come see our museum. You know, World War II um, was a pivotal moment in human history. It was uh, a fight for freedom, uh, democracy, and human rights. And, and we've really tried to capture the essence of that here on our campus through the lens of the American experience. So I think if you come to this museum, you'll see what our country can accomplish um, during tough times, and you'll be inspired by real people. Um, and you can, uh, uh, again, learn about all that we have at the museum at our website at National www.museum.org. Okay, so I, I, I told a little fib. I got to ask you one more question. Sure. Do you have a vision for the future about this? I think our vision for the future is that to be a relevant museum with a national mission in the 21st century, uh, we have to do more than just build this campus in New Orleans. You know, we've oh, been yeah. building this museum for 20 years. Next year, we will celebrate the end of this campus. This will always be the jewel. But as we move forward, um, we have to do more to bring this story to our schools, um, to lifelong learners, to help families connect with their loved ones service in the war. We have to think beyond these walls and, and really you know, make sure that we do everything we can to touch people in different ways. So as we finish building this campus, that will be the next frontier for us over the next decade and more. I want to tell you just one last thing. I'm sorry, I'm going a little long. My uncles, especially my uncle Joey was in such support, what he kept is a scrapbook, not yeah. a video, but a scrapbook. And he would go to the VA and he would spend time every week and talk story with people that felt that they were not remembered. That's right. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you all. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I can feel it's in the heart and we appreciate you having us on here today. I love it. Thank you so much, everyone. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back.
You've been listening. But are you watching? Tune in to your favorite shows on the Transformation Talk Radio Facebook page. We stream live video podcasts every day, and we love to hear from you. Leave comments and questions for the host to address live, on the air, and get to know the faces behind the voices you love. Just go to Facebook and search for Transformation Talk Radio. Yeah, yippee skippy to that, baby. Get empowered. Are you living life in full expression? Join me, Beth Wolf, on Life in Full Expression each Monday at noon Pacific time on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn how to explore, elevate, expand, and live your best life, discover the seven dimensions of life blueprint of expression. Get ready to fully express, develop your limitless capacity, and experience amazement to become an igniter and inspire. Visit BethWolf.com to discover the dynamic coaching of life in full expression. You show with me, your host, Leah Rowling. Do you believe you are capable of choosing your future? Sometimes it takes just one person to believe in you or you to believe in yourself. If you find yourself continuing to say, someday I will take better care of myself, only to continue living the same day over and over and over again, then you, my friend, are in the right place. I am your biggest cheerleader, inspiring you to become you on purpose and with intention. Are you ready to create a life you love? I'm excited to share with you some big ideas that you can use today to inspire, impact, and influence your life and everyone in it. The Becoming You Show starts now. Hello, my friends. How are you? How was your week? How was your month? You know, I always geek out on an end of a month, the start of a new month, but have you thought about it? Have you reflected on it? What went well? What didn't? What do you want to do maybe better next month? Maybe it's a habit that you want to start. Maybe it's a habit that you want to stop. Maybe it's just celebrating the habits that you continue to do every day that make your life better for yourself and for everyone in it? Can you add a little more gratitude about your day and in your week? Can you decide what you want to take on, on purpose and boundary every single yes, so you don't overcommit yourself with the holiday season coming? Can you get really purposeful about what you want to take on and what you might not want to take on. The holidays are amazing and incredible, and they can also be incredibly overwhelming and exhausting. And I really want you to choose intentionally what you want to do. And just because you've always done it, does it necessarily mean that you have to do it? So I want you to choose on purpose how you want to finish this year how you want to start next month, end next month, and really end this year 
stronger than maybe even you started it. So the question that I want to talk about today is, did you bring the energy to your days, to your month, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of whether or not people let you down, regardless of whether or not you succeeded on that task, regardless of how anyone else's energy was? Did you honor and cultivate and share yours freely? And if not, it's okay. That's what we get to chat about today. Energy. Specifically, how we honor it, how we cultivate it, and how we share it, express it into the world. As a mindset coach, people assume that the very most important thing that I teach is that of brain health cognitive patterns and programming. And while that is super, super, super important, it is not as important as this conversation that we're going to have today around energy. Energy is everything. Without energy, you don't have the space, the freedom to manage your mind in the way that I teach. So you can know all the tools, the loops, the patterns, the frameworks, but you can't access it in burnout. You can't access it in exhaust. You can't access it without energy. And if you are like me, you get stuck in this burnout loop, adding more things to an already full plate in hopes that it will make you feel better, in hopes that it will solve for the overwhelm. And we find ourselves running in circles, getting absolutely nowhere. And now we're tired, cranky, and unfulfilled. Others just shut down entirely. They just give up. They assume nothing will work because nothing ever has, and we stay sane, comfortable, perhaps even feel dull, unmotivated, uninspired, and question at the end of our day, what is this all for? And if you've been listening to me for a while, you know it's because you want more for your life. You want joy. You want fulfillment. You want your journey to mean something for you. You want to have the impact and the influence, not only on your life, but on the life of others. So how do we make energy a daily practice? How do we protect it? How do we summon it to influence our life in the way that we know it can? Three things. Honoring it. Energy is just not something that would be nice to have. It is the most important thing to have. We need to understand that energy is like money. You can create it and you can spend it. And just like with money, if you overspend it, you will have debt. This debt is burnout. Burnout exists when we overspend our energy. And the best way to honor your energy is to look at your commitments that you currently have. I get it. We live in a culture where doing more seems to be better, where we feel as if everything is on our shoulders. And if we don't do it, who will? So many of my clients I work with on the daily feel as if it is all on them, that they would be letting other people down if they didn't say yes. And I want to be sensitive to the fact that there will most likely be seasons of commitment completion. But how we take care of ourselves along the way 
is the honoring piece of this conversation. There are a lot of factors to consider when you are looking at your commitments. One of my favorite edits is to really think about whether or not they are commitments that need to be done by you. So much of the items on our to-do list, either one, don't need to be done by us, or two, don't need to be done, period. So if you haven't done a to-do list audit, I would highly encourage you to do it. There's no right or wrong way. I like to take a piece of paper. I like simple. I like to write. I like paper. But I like to take a piece of paper and divide it into two columns, personal and professional. Then I literally write everything my brain thinks I need to do in both columns. And then I go back and dissect every line and mark accordingly. A blue check means that I need to do it. It doesn't matter what color. You just get to pick the color. A blue check means that I need to do it. And I really question it. Just because I've always done it is not a reason. Just because I think that I would do better at it than someone else is not a reason. And just because it's easier if I just do it myself, not a reason. Okay. A red check next to the list means that it is something that is timely and it needs to be done this week no matter what. When you know that, that it's yours to do with the blue check and it's yours to do with the red check this week, it helps with priorities. It helps to get really clear on the tasks that absolutely have to get done. So we create space for inevitable issues that come up along the way. Unexpected detours, additional stressors that will no doubt zap your energy. And if we deem everything on our to-do list a priority, we will no doubt burn ourselves out by Wednesday. And if you have more priorities each day, then you have blocked time to do them on your schedule. We just need to revisit the list. We need to get super clear on what is important and edit accordingly. And then green checks. Green check means that it is something that we want to do that we are going to put ourselves in a position to do, but it's nothing that we need to get done this week. And they become tasks then that if we do have extra time, a priority, we can fit them in and invite them back into our schedules. And if we don't, we can make them a priority for the next week. And again, I want you to really take some time thinking about whether or not these green tasks actually need to be done. And more importantly, if they need to be done by you. And if you keep flipping green tasks to the next week, to the next week, to the next week, maybe consider, one, they're not a task that needs to be done. Two, they're too big of a task. Meaning, whenever you have it in your calendar, like write book, it's too big. You don't even know where to start. A lot of times our tasks need to be chunked out into subtasks. And even our subtasks need to be tasked out into smaller tasks so we can actually fit them in an hour slot on our calendar. And what I find when we do this, when you get really clear on your commitments, they help you boundary your time. What you say yes to 
needs to be protected by what you have bandwidth for. And my simple litmus test for this is if I do not have time in my planner for the priorities that are going to move my goals forward and for culting, cultivating my energy, which is what we're going to talk about next, the answer is just no. It just has to be. The cost is too expensive. My relationships with my my health, my well-being, it's just too costly to overcommit, to burn out. Because then I'm not doing a very good job in, in what I'm yesing to. And I'm certainly not doing a very good job on my yes to my life. We honor our energy by understanding our commitments, by prioritizing our tasks and having boundaries around our yes. And we also honor our energy by planning and scheduling block time for the energy habits that I want to talk about next. So what are energy habits? How do we cultivate energy? And again, I believe energy is like money. We have to both create it and protect it, which is honoring it. With money, we either spend it, make it, or have it. The same is true for energy. So how do we make it? How do we cultivate more of it? Here's the truth. You know. Nothing I'm going to share with you about creating energy is all that thought-provoking. I'm sorry. We all know what we need to do. But we don't often always do what we know. And so my hope is that by understanding how important energy is to creating your very best life, your livelihood, your essence, that you might choose to create some practices around the simple principles that I'm going to share. And I know you've heard this before. I've said it a thousand times. But common sense is not common practice. And that is why so much of our potential is lost to us not committing to do the simple things. And it's also why success is uncommon. So let's keep it simple, but let's do it consistently. And realize that if it is easy to do, it is also easy not to do. So guess what? It goes back up to the first one. Honoring it has to be planned. If these principles that I'm going to share with you are not practiced in your life, automatically, as in they are habits like brushing your teeth and making your bed. You are going to want to put them in your calendar. You're going to want to block time for them, habit stack them, and and commit to them. Because when they're in your calendar and that next person asks you to do something and you look at your calendar and these M's are in your calendar, you're going to realize that you don't actually have a lot of time to over-yes yourself. Okay? So three M's, movement, meals, and mindfulness. So movement, are you moving your body? Are you exercising? And let's not forget that moving your body comes in many, many forms. So if you are injured, is there something you can do? Most likely. But so many of us excuse ourselves out of movement because we can't, because we have a twisted ankle. Because we have a a pulled rotator cuff, right? There's a lot of other things that we can do. 
We can stretch. We can walk. We can we can move in a functional way. It doesn't have to be high cardio and heavy strength, unless of course you love it. It doesn't matter so much what you do, just that you do something. And I know that, especially for me in my exercise journey, it's changed. I I used to run. I used to do tries. I used to do. Uh, programming in classes and this this summer and these these last couple of months i haven't done that but i still block out time even if it's just 20 minutes to walk and to do what i call my 150 which is just 150 reps of something or i break it up 50 sit-ups 50 squats 50 push-ups but I just move my body in in a way that is honoring to it, okay? Meals, how are you fueling your body? What are you putting in? Are you putting in foods that will restore energy or that will take more energy to process? Food is either something that is healing or it isn't. And I'm all about all the foods. But can you, for the sake of this energy conversation, create an 80-20 practice for yourself? Can you most of the time think about food for fuel? Does this serve me? Just like thought work. Does this serve me? Does this fit me? Does this look good on me? Does this honor me? And if the answer is no, can we, without judgment, Without judging ourselves as bad or the food as bad, just choose differently. This is why I like to think of my food ahead of time. Because when we choose ahead of time what we're going to eat, we don't get sidetracked with the instant gratification of what is there. Rather, you have chosen with your prefrontal cortex, your future loving part of your brain, yes, Your prefrontal cortex wants what's best for your future. It is taking care of your future you. It is setting your future up, your future you up for all of the the successes that it has in mind for you. And it knows that fast food and soda is probably not what's best for you. But without a plan, that is your primitive brain. (laughs) That will pick it for sure. Your primitive brain is your toddler brain. It is the part of your brain that wants what it wants right now. It is way more concerned with your now you. It thinks that what you need right now is instant dopamine hit. It isn't thinking about how those french fries will make you feel later, how those french fries will make it harder for you to feel energized how those French fries will no doubt sabotage the next choices that you make. And please don't hear me say, don't eat French fries. That would would be devastating for me personally. I just want you to choose them on purpose. Plan them into your meals consciously. So that's meals. Mindfulness is the last of the three M's. And I lump a bunch of practices into this principle of mindfulness. But it, but it basically 
I want you to give your intention to your energy practices. For me, I want to be mindful of my sleep and my sleep routine. Brendan Burchard has this 3-2-1 sleep ritual that I kind of like to take and make my own. Three hours before sleep, there's no eating. Two hours before sleep, there's no work. And one hour before sleep, there's no screen time. No eating, no working, no screens. Three, two, one. It doesn't matter what routine practices that you have cultivated around your sleep. It's just important that you have one. You you need to have a sleep ritual to inform your brain that it is time for rest, to get it set up so that you can have the most successful sleep. Because it is a huge indicator of whether or not you wake up rested or not. And whether you wake up rested or not will determine the amount of energy you bring to the day, to the moment, to the minute, to the kitchen counter with your kids, to with your husband, with your wife, with all of the people that need you, that want you, that rely on you to bring it, to bring the energy to the day. We've got to get a grip on our sleep. We've got to create a sleep habit, a sleep ritual. I also want to be mindful of my relationships. How intentional am I being with them? When was the last time you thought about them? Your kids, your spouse, your friends. I want it to be something that's super top of mind. They are an important piece of our overall well-being and our energy. Whether it's quality tuck-ins with my kiddos or date night with my husband or girl time with my friends, daily walks with my dog, self-reflection time for myself, reaching out daily to two, three, four people by way of text or voice messaging to stay connected to them. That brings energy. I want us to be mindful of our meditative practice, how we, how we participate in a parasympathetic state re-energizes us. We make meditation really confusing. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't, again, it's, it's like all the other principles and practices that I've shared. It doesn't matter so much what you do, just that you do something. Keep it simple. When we try to overcomplicate, our brain wants to be confused by it. And then, like working out, we have decision fatigue. Where do I go? What do I do? What class will I do? Will I work out in the house, out of the house? What do I wear? Will I have to drive there? How much time do I have to allot for it? No. I want working out to just not be a decision. You just do it. And then you don't have to decide if you are or not. You just take out the decision fatigue that zaps your energy. Same thing with meditation, right? Do I do, do I do a release meditation technique? Do I do something from the Calm app? Do I do something from 10% better? Do I do my own thing? Do I do a muse meditation? It doesn't matter. All meditation is is an opportunity for you to shut your eyes and breathe. You don't need anything. You don't need a tool. You don't need a pillow. 
to do that, you literally just decide I'm going to sit here with my eyes shut and breathe. And breathe. And breathe. That's it. And in that parasympathetic state, you give your brain an opportunity to heal. You give your brain an opportunity to not be in a sympathetic state, to not be in fight, flight, or freeze state, to not be stressed. Stressed zaps your energy. Can you give yourself little parasympathetic pit stops along the way? So we protect our energy by honoring it, by honoring it, by getting really clear about our commitments, our boundaries, our schedules, our time. We create energy by managing our M's, moving meals and mindfulness, and we express it and live into it by sharing it. We are responsible for the energy we bring to every minute. You gotta honor it. You gotta cultivate it so that you can share it. I think sometimes that summoning the energy required to meet the moment the way you want is hard. But I'd like to offer, it is not any harder than begrudgingly going through the days, looking for all the ways that people are doing it wrong, that people are wronging you, that people are exhausting, that we are powerless in our schedules and powerless in our life. And I've been on both sides. And while choosing on purpose, the energy you bring into a room requires forethought and intention, it is way more empowering to be responsible for you than to delegate your emotions, your frustration, your bitterness, and your exhaust over other people. They can't, they won't take care of them, at least not in the way that you want or need them to, because they also have their own to manage. I want to invite you that energy is a practice that is available for you to honor and cultivate and share. And I don't think it's optional. It is required. Nothing is more important than that. This energetic debt keeps you stuck in your burnout, in your overwhelm, and I want more for you. So what can you do to honor your energy? What can you better do to manage your M's? Where can you better share your energy with the world? I would love to know. And if you want support and accountability in doing this life better, you've got to come to the retreat that I'm putting on in Houston next month. And I'm so excited about it. The agenda is crazy fun. We're going to talk about thought training and emotional management and relationships and money and habits and more. Everything that I cover on this podcast times 10, right? I would love to see you there. So head over to my website at www.leahrolling.com forward slash retreat to find out all sorts of information about that. www.leahrolling.com forward slash retreat. Have an amazing day. Finish this month strong. Start November stronger. And I will see you next week. Have an amazing one. Take care. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Becoming You show with me, your host, Leah Rowling, where I share big ideas to inspire, impact, and influence your life. Tune in every Friday at 11 Central on TransformationTalkRadio.com for your morning cup of coffee, the hug you never want to end, and that inspirational message that you felt was written just for you. Each show is inspiring you to become you with purpose and intention. For more information or to connect with me, visit www.leahrolling.com.
Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. I'm the host of The Dr. Pat Show, and I am the creator of The Transformation Network, doing what we do in the world of positive radio, informed, educated, positive media. Independent radio hosts and independent networks have been the face of positive messaging over the past decade. So all of us here have decided we're going to put together an independent network that is going to enable people to bring their positive message of hope, inspiration, and conscious action to the forefront. Help us create a future of amazing, uplifting stories that can be told so we can tell our children and they can tell their children of what hope and conscious action is all about. I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Not just talk, conversation for profound self-awareness. Stick with us. Your best life awaits on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I want to I want to bring us into our inner space and bring in the energies that I've built here in this meditation. You notice that I have roses here. Well, for the past 2 months or so, I've been working with the rose energy, um the energy of Mother Mary which is being able to bring love to any situation. And that's the pink of the rose petals. And you have obsidian here. You can see its reflective surface. This is a piece of gold obsidian. You see how it kind of shimmers a bit gold-like. We're going to take this time to enter our own personal underworld, the shadow sides of ourselves, and drop ourselves in we're going to go through this portal using obsidian surrounded by the beautiful rose energy and clear and regroup and rejoin all of our intolerant pieces our judgmental pieces our prickly sides so just nice deep breaths in with your nose and out with your mouth and allow your awareness to move to your heart center. You can see it, visualize it, or feel it, or just know it. Bring yourself in. Bring yourself into this sacred space of your heart. And here's where we're going to ask for all of that pink energy of love, of the high ascended master mother mary bringing that rose pink energy have that swirling around your heart feel it and breathe it in and breathe it out and just let this rose pink beautiful energy surround you and feel it expanding sending it out wider than your heart farther out from your body above your crown below your feet 
until you're really in a gorgeous cocoon of this beautiful pink, ascended, full of love, full of forgiveness. And holding yourself in that gorgeous, gorgeous pink bubble. Call forth anything about you that you wish had been a little better, that you wanted to have done differently, that you might be a little bit ashamed about, that you, you coveted something, you were really angry about something, you were intolerant, jealous, whatever it is, and just bring it forward and put it down into obsidian. Float into the energy of this smoky mirror, an obsidian that can be the sharp arrow-like energy to take us to our target, to take us to our goal. Bring that energy in and let obsidian transmute it. Let those orphans of your soul be cleared and returned to your essence. Bring them one at a time. Maybe something else recurs to you. Oh yeah, you know, I had some road rage. I saw that woman waiting for the parking spot, but I cut in front of her and took it anyway. Whatever you wish you hadn't done that way, let obsidian transmute it. And as you're working that, feel the words of Ho'oponopono. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Every time something unsavory shows its face, hold it close and transmute it through obsidian. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And as you do that, you can feel the swirling pink rose quartz energy, feeling the love that Mother Mary was able to give even in the worst of times as her son was killed. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And one by one, just letting those orphans of our underworld bubble up. We own them. We hug them. We love them. And in the love, the energy is transmuted to our personal power. Filling your space with love. Clearing any of those prickly parts so that you can go out to the dawn more resilient, more ready to bring goodness to the world, more ready for your contribution I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. 
breathing in that beautiful rose energy and sending things through the obsidian portal for transmutation. Healing yourself by loving all your parts. Opening the crack to let the light in. Every piece of us is valuable. Every aspect of us has power. And when we own it, it joins in that core forward current of our power and amplifies it. And breathing a few more minutes, letting the rose pink saturate all of your energy field, your cells, and feel it radiating out from your heart space. See if you can bring rose energy to your day, later today, tomorrow, the rest of the week. See if you could ask the energy of Mother Mary to come teach you how to transform through forgiveness and love. How can we change the world by adding our best selves, by bringing forward our best heart energy? I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And with one nice deep breath, really searching, using obsidian to reflect our underworld back to us, finding your last parts that need to be owned, that need to be forgiven, that need to be loved finding them and bringing them in to this gorgeous circle. Remembering to always bring forward the rose pink of love and forgiveness and always be willing to reflect the smoky mirror back to ourselves so that we can bring the orphans home. And absorb that quietly for another moment. <laughs> 